It seems like our high school students always get left out when we're talking about special education and making sure that we're preparing for the future. We're always talking about elementary age and what we can do, start early, get in there, make sure everybody's getting what they needed. But what about our high school students? That's exactly why I brought Lauren here to the Special Education Inner Circle podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Witcher, and Lauren is going to bring her wealth of experience in our high school age students when it comes to how a counselor can support providing an appropriate education for all of our students. Lauren, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Katherine. I'm so excited to be here. All right, so this is gonna be great and I wanna hop right in, but first let's tell everybody, how did you end up at an IEP table? Yeah, I have a background as a high school counselor. And when you're saying the elementary stuff, the middle school stuff, I did internships there, but I've never worked in elementary or middle school. I have almost 10 years of experience all at the high school level. So that is my sweet spot is that's the group of students that I love the most. So um, I often found myself in IEP meetings and part of that team around the table just to be an advocate really for the student is how I viewed it. Um, but I sometimes would come in and it would be a very quick meeting with a special ed teacher running it. And then sometimes I was really having to be a mouthpiece for the student because they didn't have other people doing that for them. So uh, my background is all in high school. And so I'm glad that you have me here because when you're saying that high school is forgotten, I would love to be able to speak to that for your audience. Yes. Okay. So we did prep because there's so many things that we could talk about. And I was like, just bring us some things that we can do. Like, I want everybody who's listening here today to walk away going, yes, I could implement this. So what are we going to cover today? So we're going to talk about three ways that your high school counselor can provide meaningful services to your student in that meeting. So, um, in my world, my school counseling job is broken up into three main categories. It's, it's social emotional, it's academics, and it's college and career. And you know, when you're sitting at the IEP table, you really do cover all of those things. So lean into your high school counselor and bring them into the conversation. So whether you are a parent and you have some questions about these topics, you have an expert at the table to ask them to. Or if you're a special ed teacher, and you have a little bit of each of those, but that's not your specialty because you're writing the IEP, you're doing the transitional goals, like lean in and ask your high school counselor their perspective. So I have some thoughts on all three of those topics on just really how an IEP teacher or an IEP teacher, a special ed teacher who's writing an IEP and working directly with students, and then also a parent or an advocate for their student, how they can actually use their high school counselor when they're in that meeting. I love that because I, I'll be honest, I've sat at hundreds, probably thousands of um, IEP meetings and, and I'm going to just let everybody know. I'm just going to confess here. You guys, I, I couldn't tell you any big conversation that I've ever had with a counselor <laughs> that truly had, let's say a, a huge impact, something significant. Like I can't, I'm going through all the scenarios in my head and I'm like, I don't remember there being a pivotal conversation. So I don't well, know. Catherine, guys- let me apologize. On behalf of all <laughs> school counselors, we have not made an impact on you. And I, I apologize I because let's be real. There are counselors who sit in there just like anyone on the team. You might have a dud who is just there to sign a paper and walk out. But like, that's not all of us. Yeah. And I don't think like, I'm thinking through like, okay, like, uh, like I give out all the time. 12 hard IEP questions that you need to ask, right? And, and talk to your IEP team. Now, 
just about every one of those questions could be directed to the school counselor also like, Hey, what's your take on placements? Hey, what's your take on, on, uh, technology? Hey, what's your take on this? But it just seems, yeah, it's not a place where we So I love that you just said lean into. So I'm going to encourage everybody like, Hey, lean. I did not when I was sitting specifically at the IEP tables, say like, let's talk to the school counselor with that, with one exception, that it, it's the social emotional piece. I think that's our go-to where we're just like, oh, this child's having meltdowns or this child's having a hard time making friends. It's very limited. Like we think that your scope is limited, which is why I love that you broke this down into three categories. So and let's And I'll go. say though, at the high school, the special ed teacher, that's the last one that they lean on the counselor for. They think college and career and they forget about the social emotional piece. So even that changes when you get to high school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you've got three areas. Let's start with the first one. Let's, let's do it. Okay. Social emotional. So that is maybe the one that you feel like, okay, that's what I have experience with my school counselor with, but I want to, I just wanted to tell you like some of the resources that we have so that as you're sitting at that table, if something comes up, you think, okay, this is who I'm going to ask the question to. So um, things that counselors do, um, individual counseling, it's more, it's not like therapy, like long-term therapy. A school counselor is doing solution-focused, short-term, um, checking in with the student, providing just shorter-term services. But if they're sitting there and they realize like, or the family is saying some things that lead the counselor to realize, okay, maybe they need to be referred out for some more serious services. Like, you know, all the way to the extreme, I'm thinking um, like going to the hospital, you know, someone is in a, a really like a, a stage where they need actual medical help at the hospital. So I don't know that I've been in an IEP meeting where that's the first time we're noticing that, but you know, know that that is a service of a counselor to refer out um, or just a private practice. They need that therapy. Um, and maybe, maybe they had it, maybe it's in their IEP that they had it back in elementary school. And as we're noting through some of that stuff, some of those tendencies are coming up again, that maybe it'd be beneficial for the student to see a mental health counselor or a therapist outside of school. Um, there's also in a lot of schools, a mental health counselor hosted like home in their home right there in the school. So um, if that's a service, I know in my school, so many of my students who had IEPs were also just getting additional services. You know, everything that's available in the school, if it's an option and they need it, we're providing that. So the mental health counselor seeing students at school was huge because you didn't have to drive anywhere extra. You didn't have to like put one more thing on your calendar. They were getting the support at school that they needed so that they can function better in the classroom because that's the goal, right? I think um, it flipped a lot of people out right now. So let me just, let me just uh, like in a good way that they just yes. went, what? Like what? what? Lots of stuff. <laughs> I know so many resources. Like, what is this? So I want everybody to understand, you know, we're always talking about free and appropriate public education and there is a huge difference. We talk about the difference between a medical model and like the educational model. So what you're saying is let's make sure that we max out our school services. That's what I'm here. I'm going to kind of backward chain from that. Yeah. conversation. Let's make sure that we're maxing out our school services. And then of course, you know, use you as a trusted resource to say, and do we need more? Yeah, and yeah. I want everybody to hear, it's not always the school's responsibility to provide more, it, you know, maybe we need more than what they are currently providing. We got to do some negotiating in there to get some creative services, but sometimes there is a level that's not, you know what? And I, I, I guess I have to take back a little bit because maybe there was one counselor um, <laughs> as you brought up that situation. I, we did have, uh, I had a client 
but he was my client, um, his family from second grade all the way through high school. So you really got to know them really, really got to know them. And he had a lot of, um, social, emotional struggles. He had seen a psychiatrist, uh, you know, long-term on the outside and the counselor was the bridge. So when the child did actually have, um, a a pretty big breakdown and just some kind of, uh, I'm going to say just big things happen in school one day, instead of calling the police, the counselor knew to contact the outside psychiatrist to get some de-escalation, uh, support and work directly with the child. But if that counselor wouldn't have known that emergency plan, it could have went very differently. Yes. I always felt like the bridge in that meeting, because you've got the teacher who spends all the time with the student, like they know them in and out. I, I would admit they would know them way better than I would on an everyday scale. But if I, like our model was we would follow a student or their family all the way through high school. So I would get to know them too, but a lot more of like the heavier stuff and some of the pieces that connected to outside of school. And then the administrator is sitting there and the administrator knows when the kid got in trouble or something. So like that everyone has is coming in with their different viewpoint, but I often would feel like I have a little of all of their viewpoints. And if I could be the connecting piece, we could make a lot of these transitions, especially in a setting, if things were getting really tense or there was some trauma coming up again, it's like, I could calm everyone down, deescalate in the meeting because I knew we'd already talked to mom about this, even though she's not at the meeting or you know, I knew how that meeting with the administrator went and like, maybe they don't have a good relationship now. So that's how I would see myself in that meeting too, being an advocate and a connecting piece between all of those people. And it just sounds like, you know, all the secrets. (laughs) Kind of, kind of. I kind of know if that went good or bad. I kind of know what's going on here. They're like, like, you're like that trusted secret source. I hope, I hope, because then I can say, you know, to the student too, I'm a trusted source. Like, if the student has told me something in confidence that, you know, they're not hurting themselves and no one else is in danger, then I might know some things about the student and some of the underlying relationships in the room that no one even knows that I know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love it. All right. Do we have more for social emotional or are we moving on to the second point? You tell me. The only other thing I wanted to mention in social emotional, because, and you tell me if this is like big in elementary or middle school, and I, maybe I'm putting it in social emotional, but I'm thinking of a time when I sat in a manifestation meeting where I feel like as a counselor, I was really able to advocate for a student and change the trajectory of where that was going. Do you, do you you deal with that a lot in elementary and middle? Not at the same extreme, because like I said, in the beginning, it's kind of like, let's just face it. uh, Elementary kids tend to be looked at as cuter and not as threatening and they haven't hit puberty yet. And it just, it's a different dynamic. It's like, Oh, you feel like you can control the situation um, when there's uh, negative behaviors or something that's going on more in elementary middle school, you start to get a little bit like, Oh, I, I don't know if we can handle this at school. And then high school, it's like, that's a, that that's a mini adult. Like it's a real right. person that, <laughs> that like that another adult doesn't know if they can control the situation. So there is a lot of manifestation kind of meetings of like, is this something that we can support? And was this a student's choice or is it something to do with their diagnosis or eligibility? So I do feel at high school, it's much more intense and, and let's just call it like it is. It feels more scary because the person yeah. is bigger. The actions are bigger and, and just everything feels bigger. 
like the situations that I would sit in for manifestation meetings would be like weapons, drugs, like yeah. things that maybe are higher stakes feeling than elementary, you know, and to be able to advocate for a kid who really just maybe made a dumb mistake, like, or they just, they weren't thinking and it, it was because of their disability or, uh, like that felt really powerful to me in that moment because an administrator, a lot of times is coming in, they want to stick to the rules. They want, they're the one leading the meeting, at least in ours. And sometimes I felt like, okay, I was consulting with a special ed teacher because I need to know like the background of that kind of stuff, because they're the expert on that. And then I would go in ready to advocate for the student in whatever, you know, whatever way, either they need to own up to their actions because this doesn't have to do with their disability or, you know, you need to open your eyes and look at what's going on. Cause I'm thinking of a student who really, I mean, he had all the people on his team and I don't know what would have happened if he would have had this like huge disciplinary action, like, you know, being suspended from school or put in alternative school or something because he had come so far and like his teachers knew that. And the result, I mean, when he graduated from high school, his story was wild. He was the first in his family to go to college. Um, his dad had died when he was younger. I mean, all of the things that you would think he's not going to make it almost like without the right supports around him, he, he might not graduate, let alone go to college. And he was like the shining star of my caseload of the school. And it was cool to feel like, okay, I had an impact because I, as a counselor had a voice in that meeting where maybe that student wouldn't have been heard. And that could have sent him down a different path, but he ended up being so successful. And I, I'm sure it was not that one manifestation meeting that determined his success or his failures, but it was cool to see with the right people advocating for the student at the table and understanding his social emotional background and what he had been through that, you know, he, he could still be successful after high school, even if he made a mistake. Yeah. And that's huge. That, that student that I was talking about, that client of mine from years ago, I mean, the, he had the highest IQ that the psychologist had ever seen in that school. Like we're talking like just brilliant academically, but he did something really in the moment that again, they wanted to call the police. Right. They wanted to like, and I'm like, Oh, that's going to like change the trajectory of maybe not his entire life, but it is going to impact him for a very, very yeah. long time. And it could have impacted him with his college goals and all of those things. Cause he yeah. was two months away from graduation. I'm like, we made it this far. Oh my gosh, <laughs> come on. So, so I was grateful for people who understood. And here's the thing about high school too, is that, you know, a lot of times kids are switching classes. It doesn't matter if your home base is even self-contained classroom, you're still going out to other things. So, you know, not everybody knows the behavior plan or the visual supports or the things they should they should, if they don't, no. send them here. <laughs> like send them here, put them on the podcast, like start right. listening, figure it all out, but they don't. So uh, grateful, grateful that we have counselors who are engaged, who can get to know the child. So when something goes awry, uh, we can address that sooner than later. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about academics. The second one, this is the one that I think people, that's what we're most commonly used for in these meetings. Like they see the counselor and they're like, Hey, I need to change something on my schedule. Or we have that meeting coming up where we're going to pick our classes. So obviously, like when I come to that table, I've got my computer and I'm ready to answer any questions about their schedule because I worked at a block schedule school where they were in classes, but then they were going to change the next semester. So oftentimes they had questions about next semester or 
if my grades aren't good here, where will I be retaking a class, that kind of stuff. Um, so picking classes, just academic readiness for the next thing, repeating classes, what we can do to do better in our classes, like some of those study skills and stuff. Uh, you see that a lot in like transitional, like middle school into high school, but um, our special ed students are working on that all the time in their classes, how to manage their time and how to stay organized with their materials. So um, counselors help students set goals for those sorts of things too. I know the IEP is more concrete, like we are going to write down those goals, but we can have a fluid conversation about what we think we can achieve by the end of the semester or by the end of the year. Um, and then also in terms of academics, I just think we can help a student zoom out. They're in their one semester, in their four classes that they're in, and a counselor can help them see the big picture with what are your goals for after high school or do you want to start taking a class at the career center? And then they've never heard of the career center. The parent has never been brought home information from their high school boy. So we get to be like another mouthpiece for just opportunities that are available at the school in terms of academics. I think it's interesting too, um, to, to really think about all the knowledge that you have that we probably are not pulling from you in things beyond just, and I know that we're going to talk about career in, in those type of things, but when we talk about academic decisions and this full continuum of placements and where else maybe could you get this academic information rather than sitting in AP bio and, you know, that ruining your whole day or, you know, or even like, I'm so sad that I'm going to the remedial writing class that's in there, or, you know, a child who starts to figure out kind of like where their gaps are and how they're different from their other students, academic, from their fellow students, you know, yeah, academically, yeah. I'm assuming that you can help them kind of get through that hurdle and figure out, you know, how to cope with maybe some of their different tracks that mm -hmm. they're, that they're on just because, you know, it's like, well, we have to get through this type of writing class before we could move on to the next one. Right. And so sometimes for them to be able to see what can come, what classes can they take once they get through the stuff they have to take. I mean, that's college too, right? You take the basic prereqs to get to the stuff you want to take and that you're excited about. But when they can see like, hey, I can go to the career center and specialize in something that no one else is doing, but I'm actually good at that. You get to talk about their strengths at that table and offer something that they might be actually really excited about um, from architecture and construction to mechatronics and machine tool. The area that I'm in is huge for manufacturing and production. And there are more jobs than there are workers who are skilled at those jobs. And so to look at a student who loves hands-on things and to say, hey, I think you might be really good at this. Have you ever thought about that? You're tired of writing you know, in English class, but you could get up and move around and program a robot or something. like." they've never heard of some of this stuff. So to be able to present that as an opportunity and then even connect them to a field trip to the career center or um, a video of what they do on the job, like that can be really eye-opening for a student. All right, so here, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. You're, yeah. you're saying all these great things and I'm like, yes. And I'm <laughs> like, all right, let's talk about some real world stuff here. You know that you're talking to the child about all this stuff and the parent is either getting some of the story, mm, none of the story, or doesn't like the story, right? right? It's like, why are you telling my child this when what we what we really want is? So can we talk a little bit about, let's, let's give some encouragement to parents who, mm -hmm. and I'm a parent right now of, um, I have 
two daughters, ages 18 and 19. So when it comes to that whole, like, um, letting them make decisions and make some choices, and then I can't control all the things anymore. And I understand that, you know, we're talking mostly about kids under 18, you know, in that. So parents have a lot of say, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily should be making all of the choices. Yeah. I think the great thing about those type of classes in high school is that they count as elective credit. So you might start, you student might start those classes and realize this isn't for me, but you're taking it. You're learning something about yourself and then you move on and you don't ever take it again. Or they realize this is something that I love. So for instance, and this is maybe for the parent who's like, no, my student is four year college bound. I don't want them taking um, a class that gives them a skill. I don't know. I like, I can see that happens a lot in those conversations, but think about this, like, you know, the student who wants to do cosmetology. So they go and learn how to do hair and makeup, maybe esthetician stuff like facials. Um, and they come out with their state certification. They have all their hours done. They can go start working right away. They could work their way through college and help pay for college. They could get that and then go to college for a business degree and run their own cosmetology, you know, cosmetology business or esthetician business. So there are ways to combine all of those things. If, if mom and dad don't want to, you know, open that door, like they're like, no, we're only going down this track. And then the student, they might be butting heads. A student might say, but mom, I don't really want to do that right now. I don't see myself doing that. This is kind of a win for everyone where we get to try out different things. We get to see what our strengths and weaknesses are and we can continue down that path or we don't have to. Yeah. So I want to encourage, um, just all the parents, like I'm there, I'm with you. Um, (laughs) it's just one of those things that we watch our kids make some decisions and we have to remind ourselves that, you know, no decision that they're making is really permanent at this point. This isn't, they're just exploring and figuring out where, where is this, you know, leading to possibly it's not a permanent decision. And I think that's one of the things, like, especially when we think about a counselor and sitting down and making choices. And I say this about every IEP meeting too, is like your child's entire future is not in one IEP meeting. It's not in one decision. It's not in one class. It's a piece of this big journey together. Yeah. And if you just think about it as we're trying to help your student learn more about themselves, what they're good at, what they're not good at. You're going to, I promise you will save yourself time and money. If you figure that out while you're in high school, or even as a parent where you're like, they're under your home right now, under your care, where if they fail or if they make a mistake, isn't it so much better for them to do that with you being able to catch them and be that safety net versus they've gone off on their own and they're hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because we just never thought about what we like and what we don't like. <laughs> it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. I think right now in our world too, I mean, there is more um, acceptance uh, than I think there has been in the past of yeah. not necessarily going that four-year college. Cause I mean, I'll, I'll disclose. Cause I know my, my kids don't mind. They don't listen to the podcast anyway. They would be like, why would I listen to mom for extra than I, you know, like need to. Um, but you know, they, both of them graduated high school early. So they, they were both December graduates. They just graduated a year apart from each other. the only year in age. And neither one of them decided to go to college right away. They could have, but they were just like, we have zero idea what we want to do. And quite honestly, their high school, which is ranked one of the, the best ones out there, didn't have opportunities for them to explore in the way that they wanted to explore. So they're just figuring it out. 
Now, mind you, parents, as she said, if you can get them to figure out more things under your roof, mine are now across the country <laughs> <laughs> and launching kids into the real world is hard. It's right. really, really hard. Um, so, all right, so let, let's go. So we have academics and then we had uh, we career in college. Yeah. Yeah. And just like post-secondary life after high school. So um, kind of pulling from that career, a counselor you wouldn't do this right in the IEP meeting, but they could offer career assessments or they could tell you a lot of times counselors are doing those career assessments in classrooms and, or in the special ed class, like the classroom setting. And the special ed teacher usually has like pulled from the counselor to do that. And then we can pull up those results and we can talk about that. Like, what were your top three career clusters? And why do you think that is? Is that something that interests you? And that is usually an eye-opening conversation between parents and students, you know? Kids don't want to talk about that when they get home at the dinner table. It's like, I've, I did that thing in school, but we did nothing at school today. But then you open a conversation of, wow, I didn't even know you were interested in that. And so the, the SPED teacher and the counselor get to be like those connecting pieces to start a conversation that hopefully carries outside of just that table in that meeting. All right. I have a question about that. Yeah. Um, so we are all about in our master IP coach mentorship. For those of you that don't know, uh, I'm the founder of the master IP coach mentorship, where I help parents and teachers build IEPs that work in the real world. And something that I have found <laughs> that is not caught up with the real world are those career assessments. So for example, right, like a lot of our students who um, are finishing up their high school, like their traditional four-year high school, but they're going to stay in school. They're going to stay, you know, educated by the district ages 18 to 21. And they're looking at these career assessments or, or things, and they're still doing things like shredding paper as a job skill. And I'm like, you guys, we live in a digital world, like, right. like hanging around shredding paper isn't going to get you very far right now. You know, um, they're, they're doing things that are very, as, as I call it, the 1980s version of special education. Where do uh, our, our teachers or our counselors find tools that are updated or are you creating your own or our companies? And you don't have to give us like specific, like go to this, you know, and find this thing. How do you, how do you kind of stay up with, with what's happened in the world? Cause they yeah. seem really outdated. Yeah. And I will say, even if you're taking an up-to-date career assessment, students can manipulate those answers. They <laughs> sit there and they think, how can I get the highest paying job? And I mean, it's wild. They'll, they'll like sit in the class and try and manipulate it. I'm like, that is not what we're here for. Or they get the results from an assessment that you know, say something that are, it's so off the mark for them that then they discount the career assessment altogether. Whereas I have to stop them, say timeout, think about what kind of skills that person uses in their job. I don't know, like technical theater or something. And they're like, I hate theater. I would never act on a stage. I'm like, one, that's not what it is, but think about it. Like they have to be creative. They have to show up on time. They have to be responsible, you know, giving them some skills and characteristics of that person. Sometimes they need somebody, an adult or with a more mature brain to go a little bit deeper and help them think about what's on those career assessments. But I would say most schools probably have something I would either say from their district or their school, um, whether they have bought something that they're putting out like a career assessment, but there are plenty of free assessments out there. And I'll send you some that you could put like links in your show notes. Um, one that I really like is called ONET. I think the website is onetonline.org if I'm, if I remember correctly, but it's awesome. It gives you a day in the life of that career. It tells you wages for even certain areas of the country. It tells you 
skills that you need. And so, you know, you can, you can determine like, would I like to do that every day from morning to night? Do I have those skills or can I see myself developing those skills? So there are things out there, even free things that are reliable and really helpful, but you do have to dig or know the right person to ask. That's why you're here. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I don't, I mean, I did, again, I just went through this with my own daughters and their school quite honestly did not provide something. So we went and we found some of those free ones online Yeah. Um, while the schools were shut down in the last couple of years. We're, we're like, Hey, like, you know, I'm at home thinking like, Oh, what, what's like, you this this like in a couple of years? I don't know. Like, let's try this out. And, and it was really interesting to kind of figure that out. So yes, we will definitely make sure that you guys get the show notes of where those resources are. I also want to encourage you that, um, Lauren, you're going to be a guest speaker for us, I believe, yeah. out of the inner circle, correct? Yes. Okay. I'm like, I think I'm remembering. So this bring right. your questions, right? Yes. That's they come with questions. Yes, yes, yes. So if you are not a member of the inner circle, this is where we continue the conversation. So you have questions about any of this stuff. And we're going to finish up talking about some academic career. So we're not stopping the conversation here, but I want you to know there's a place for you guys to continue this conversation. Come join Lauren and I on a zoom. You'll get the replay. You can ask specific questions because like you said, so, like Googling it on our own is not always the best way. I'd rather have, it's just not always like, efficient. You spend no. a lot of time doing that. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I shorten that learning curve. I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. And then the other thing that I was thinking that is huge in high school that you don't run into with the younger years is that transition out of high school, that transition to college is really what I'm thinking about because even the special ed teacher, like they prepare the IEP for the student and like hand it to them. They turn 18. You're having that graduation meeting. We're going to celebrate and sign off on it. But like what next? And so as a counselor too, I have felt, I have had moments where I have felt that too. Like well, how do I help them? Like, I want them to transition well to whatever is next too. And so that's where I feel like I worked on a strong partnership with my senior um, special ed teacher who is working with my students because we just don't, we, we support these students so much. It feels like wrong just to say, okay, you graduated Bye. We want to make sure that they have a plan. So something that we did at my school was we took students on a field trip to a local college. It was a two-year college, but it gave, and so some of the students were going there, um, but it gave students a, a visual. Like they got on campus. They were like, this is what college is like. We went into a classroom. We went into a dorm room. And then we went to the student services building and said, this is where your IEP goes. These are the people that you talk to when you get to college who continue giving you supports. And this is who you talk to when you need to set up study hours or go to the writing center or make sure your professor has your accommodation. So for them to get to see what that actually looks like after high school, we found that that prevented, I don't know if you've heard the term summer melt, where kids are signed up to go to college and then they never step foot on the college campus. It's like just this disconnect where things get in the way. It got expensive or I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who to talk to. And so making that transition happen before they even leave our building, we found that students were so much more confident and more successful for their next stage. Yeah. And I want everybody to understand that an IEP is not in effect in college, but as Lauren said, you can take that IEP while well, your student, because once they turn 18, right. you can't speak for them right. unless you have guardianship. 
they're going to want to talk to the student. So going to talk to, to the student, they can bring their IEP and share those accommodations, modifications, those things. And you work with that disability resource office to figure that out. So you're not going to have the same supports that you had in an IEP, but that doesn't mean that you go, okay, I'm done with this document and right. toss it in the trash on the last day of school. Like, don't do that. You, I know you're frustrated. Don't do that. Parents <laughs> there's there that can be used to at least help launch with some supports into that, that college or into, um, you know, whether it's a two-year or four-year, the career college, those type of things. And sometimes I've even seen, um, you know, parents and students working together to obtain employment and sharing what those supports look like, because a lot of times employers are scared when they hear disability or something. But if you can just say like, well, but if we could do these five things, this child can fully access and do this job. Exactly. I love that. So those are like, I think both parties need to not be scared going into an IEP meeting in the high school setting, whether it's, or everyone involved, parents, special ed teachers, or counselors, like everyone has their own perspective and brings so much knowledge about supporting their student and advocating for that student that together you just get to be this strong team helping the student for pointing them towards success in their next stage of life. And when we all work together and realize like, we don't all have to have all the answers, like use the people at the table for, for their knowledge and what they know. And the student is going to be better off because of that. I love it. I love that you just kind of summed up. You're like, we're not just for crisis. We're not just for picking your classes and we're not just to choose the right career or college. Like there's say it louder for the people in the back. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There's like, like you, you took these three areas and you're like, here's an area and we're not just for this. And I love that. So I want everybody to take that away. So teachers, when you're like, we're so tapped out, we don't have resources. We don't have paras. We don't have this. I get it. I hundred percent get it. And a counselor is not going to solve all your problems, but they are one more person that may have some insights, some time, some collaboration ideas. I can't tell you how many times I went into a special ed class and we would, we would do resume writing. We would do mock interviews. Um, we would just situational things at a job, like do this, don't do that. And then also when we would have interns, that's like not an intimidating place for an intern to go into a smaller class setting and really get to work with students one-on-one. And so we have the resources to help the special ed teachers, but we need to have a relationship too in the school to be able to call on each other. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. So on that note, if you guys took away a tip from this, then there's something that I need you to do. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please go leave a five-star review and then make sure to share this with a friend. Every time you leave a review, it helps more parents, teachers, and counselors get access to this information because we need more IEP teams that are working together, that are building IEPs that work in the real world. So wherever you're listening to this on Apple, it's a five-star review, leave a comment, but wherever you're watching this or listening to it, again, share it with a friend, leave a comment. It helps so much. That's how you can give back to Lauren. That's how you can give back to our our special education community that needs more of this information. We're going to put all of the links down in the show notes. And uh, Lauren, I just want to say thank you for being here today. Yeah, this was so fun. I I would love to hear from anyone who enjoyed (laughs) the time together. Send me a DM or something. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have all of that information. I can't wait to connect with you and continue the conversation in the inner circle. And on that note, we'll see you next time, everyone. Thank you.